Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens today. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Allie Carter, whose novel Perfect Scoundrels has just been published by Disney Hyperion Books, which is sponsoring this podcast. Allie Carter is perhaps best known for her Gallagher Girl series, which is set at a spy school for girls and began back in 2006 with, I tell you I love you, but then I'd have to kill you. As the Gallagher Girl series winds to a close, Carter's heist society is on the rise. Perfect Scoundrels is a third book in the series, which spans the worlds of the very wealthy and those who steal from the very wealthy. Uh, Cat Bishop comes from a family of thieves and has been roped back into the family business, but with a twist. Cat doesn't steal for personal gain, but to right wrongs and go after stolen property. Uh, Allie, thank you for speaking with me. Thank you so much for having me, John. Uh, so we've caught you in the middle of your book tour for Perfect Scoundrels, uh, not to mention a giant blizzard. Uh, how is life on the road treating you? Life on the road is always interesting, to say the least, especially when you two are in the middle of winter. Um, but I am happy to have made it to Toronto this morning. Um, everything seems to be good. We're going to have an event at, at a store here in the Toronto area tomorrow afternoon. And everyone assures me that Canada can handle a little snow. So we are going to, you know, the show must go on, as the saying goes. So the author must show up. Uh, very good. So I, I know your your tour has taken you, I believe, to uh, Texas and Arizona so far. Uh, what have the what have the events been like? They've been absolutely wonderful. I've been welcomed into some really, really great schools. I've gotten to meet some amazing librarians and wonderful students. Um, we've done events with three fantastic indies so far. We've been to Murder by the Book, um, Blue Willow Books, both of those in Houston. And last night I was at Changing Hands in Phoenix. Um, again, great booksellers. We've had some tremendous um, crowds and feedback from very, very excited girls who are, who are anxious to see what happens next for Cat Bishop and her crew. In addition to the readers who are able to come out to those uh, tour events, you have a very active uh, fan base online. Uh, I imagine there's some authors out there who are a little bit envious of your Twitter followings and your uh, blog commenters. Uh, what do you credit that to? I think I've just been doing it a lot longer than a lot of people have. You know, it's it's not something that came overnight. Um, the first newsletter I ever sent, I think, went out to, you know, 17 people, and now it goes out to 20,000 people. And so I think for the most part, this is a business of attrition, and half of the half of the race is just staying in the race. And so I've been very, very fortunate to have you know, been able to do this now for several years and to be able to not only um, keep existing readers, but add new readers. And that's another great thing about writing for teens and young adults is that there's always a new crop of girls turning 12. And those girls are always going to their middle school libraries or they're going to their, you know, local Barnes and Noble or their local indie, and they're looking for a new book to read. And, and I'm very grateful to, to be able to be on those shelves is still at this, at this late date. What sort of feedback and comments do you get from your readers? Are they pretty invested in the characters and what their futures hold? They're very invested in the characters. I think that that's part of being a teenager and, and part of sort of the fandom phenomenon that we have going on now. Um, you know, we have we have teens now that are reading that have never known a world without Harry Potter. They've never known a world without Twilight or Hunger Games or something else like that. And they, they see it almost as part of their responsibility to, to have to be very invested in the characters and very invested in the stories. And so one of my favorite, I think it was a blog comment, um, 
reviews that I've had from readers said, you know, nothing in this book is what I thought would happen, um, but it's everything I never dream, I never knew to want to happen or something like that. It was crazy. Basically, she, she had an idea of what she wanted the book to be, and it was nothing whatsoever like that. And she was really happy it turned out that way, which I thought was a great compliment. Hmm. Uh, now, regarding the new book, Perfect Scoundrels, uh, I believe you said before that the books in this particular series can sort of stand on their own, uh, but certainly the relationship between Cat and Hale has changed and grown as the books have gone on. Uh, did, you, did you start the series with an arc in mind for their relationship, even if each book revolves around a different uh, heist? That's a really good question. Um, I did start the series intending it to very much stand alone. You know, I grew up reading books like the, the old Nero Wolf mystery series, where you could read book one or book seven, and it, it didn't really matter. And so I wanted to do something that kind of harkened back to that. Um, but it's hard for me not to have changes, especially when it comes to the relationships of the characters. Um, I knew that Cat and Hale were going to be a couple who whether or not they became boyfriend or girlfriend, they were going to be in each other's lives for the rest of their lives. They are best friends first and foremost. And I wanted to see that grow into a more romantic relationship. I think most readers did as well. Um, but if I never got to you know, keep writing books in the series long enough to get to there, I was also content with that because I think that, like I said, their, their relationship is first and foremost that they are best friends. And this romance stuff is, is a new addition to that. Um, but whether or not Kat marries Hale, she's found her soulmate in him. And I think that that was pretty obvious from the first book. And with the new book in particular, it seems like their worlds uh, might be getting a little bit farther apart. Is that uh, fair to say at all? I think that the new book definitely um, shines a bright light on the contrast between their lives. Um, you know, it's I wanted this to be the big book of family. And so we really get to see Kat's family and that they are, you know, they are the quote unquote criminals. And yet Hale's family, they're the kind of, you know, bad guys in this book, which I thought was a nice sort of twist on things. And I really wanted it to be um, an illustration that Kat's family is a family of choice. It's not the family you're born into. It's not about who your great-great-grandfather was. It's about who you decide to be. And so even though Hale comes from a very powerful family, he can still choose Kat's family if he wants to. Now, a few years ago in an interview with PW, uh, you had mentioned that the Gallagher Girls series would uh, be wrapping up with book six. Is that still your plan? That is still the plan. I'm actually on deadline for the for the sixth and probably final book right now. Um, it's a little bit bittersweet, but I really believe that the characters have, have come sort of full circle and um, the questions that we asked in book one are, are getting answered. And I don't want to be that, that author who stays too long at the party. You know, I want to be able to send my, my readers out and my characters out on top and in a good place. And I really feel like the, the sixth book is going to allow me to do that. Is there any news you can share about the status of the book, uh, its title, when it might be coming <laughs> the, out? The title is a million dollar question. I have about 50 potential titles, each of one is each of which is sillier than the one that came before it. So that's something that's definitely priority one for, for my editor and me. Um, probably it's going to be in stores, I think, sometime in September. Um, that, is, that is the latest date that I heard and certainly what we're shooting for. And um, I, I'm just really, really excited about it. I think I think readers are going to be happy with it. I think it's going to give them the answers that they've been wanting and hopefully, again, a few things they didn't know they wanted. 
And now, from the start, uh, you've set up the Heist Society series so that the thievery that Kat does or that she's involved with uh, is done sort of for the right reasons. Uh, can you explain why that's uh, something that's important to you with this series? That was actually something that came about very, very early on when I was initially had the idea to write about, you know, con men and thieves. And I thought, well, that's difficult because, you know, you don't want to write about the quote-unquote bad guy. And I figured the only way or the best way to write about a teenage thief and have her be a true heroine is to have her stealing from people who are worse than she is. And so I, that's the sort of Robin Hood um you know, myth grew up out of that. And at the time, I was really fascinated with Holocaust art and doing a lot of reading, a lot of research, and and watching a lot of documentaries on the subject. And that just seemed like a really natural place to start. You know, the Nazis were kind of the ultimate art thieves. And unfortunately, a lot of those masterpieces are lost or still, you know, underground today. And so I thought that this would be a great way to shine a light on that for a whole new generation. And do you do you still see Heist Society as an open-ended series at this point? I do. I think that it's the kind of series that um, I certainly did not set out for book three to be the last book. I certainly did not model it as a big, as a trilogy. Um, so I, I like to say that I could do three heist books, or I could do thirty heist books, and you know, possibly having some old characters, recur- you know, returning from time to time. Um, again, kind of the old Nero Wolf model, um, where you just don't quite know what you're going to get, but you know it's going to hopefully be a rollicking good time. And um, High Society has also been uh, optioned by Warner Brothers, correct? It was optioned about three years ago by Warner Brothers. Um, not really sure what's going to happen with that, as all things in Hollywood go. Um, but, you know, just keeping our fingers crossed. And um, I'm going to be out in L.A. on tour on Monday, so hopefully going to, to meet with my film agent and get a little bit of scoop on what's going on. But, you know, if nothing ever happens, which, to be honest, nothing probably ever will, just because those are the odds, um, I'm still a really, really lucky person that, to get to write these books and... And if a movie happens, great. If not, you know, I'm still incredibly fortunate. And um, I had read, even if, you know, like you said, things are never too certain when it comes to uh, books, you know, making the jump to film. I'd read that they were considering aging up the characters into their 20s. And that sort of made me wonder, do you have the sense already that there's a, an existing crossover appeal to your books? Do you have, have you found readers um, who are uh, no longer in their teens or passionate fans as well? Absolutely. It's been really interesting going um, on tour, especially this time, because uh, a couple of different things. Number one, I've been surprised at the number of adult readers that have come to my events, that they aren't there as parents, they aren't there as librarians or teachers, they're, ju- they're just as readers, which is wonderful and love to see that. The second thing that has really surprised me is I've had a number of comments from booksellers that they were surprised at the number of teens that come to my events. In other words, it's, it seems like they are seeing a trend of most YA book events being attended mainly by adults. And so I I was surprised to see the adults and the booksellers were surprised to see the teens. So I guess that's a good sign that I have a good mix coming. (laughs) Sounds good. And it's it's funny, so many uh, authors, you know, 
want to court the the crossover market, but is it is I suppose good to know that um, the, the the audience that you're intending to reach is is actually <laughs> embracing the books themselves. Absolutely, I feel really fortunate that I get to work in what I call the the golden age of young adult fiction. You know, so many amazing people working right now, and and it's it only makes sense that that avid readers, be they eight or be they eighty, are are finding finding this that you know genre, and so I'm really really happy just to be on YA shelves at this point in history. Now, both of your series are about girls with some very exceptional skills, whether it's breaking and entering or facing off uh, terrorist organizations. Um, and the two series actually crossed over recently with the digital-only novella, Double Crossed. Uh, can you tell me a bit about that project? Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. It actually came about about a year ago. I was on tour for the fifth Gallagher Girls book, Out of Sight, Out of Time. And at almost every stop I did, someone would ask, would the Gallagher Girls ever meet the characters from Heist Society? And at the time, I kind of laughed it off and said, oh, I, I doubt that'll happen. And I had all kinds of reasons not to do it. And then I realized that none of those reasons really held up. And so um, I actually had the idea sometime late last summer to do this crossover, you know, just do it very short, very brief, make it available as broadly as possible, just to see how it went, just to see what readers thought about it. Because what I found is that I had a lot of readers who were very avid Gallagher Girls fans. I had a whole other set of readers that were very avid High Society fans. And it was almost like never the twain shall meet. Um, you know, they, they each felt very proprietary over their you know respective fandoms and I kind of just wanted everybody to get along and so so I wrote this hoping that that everybody would get exposed to the other world and it's sure enough they have and I've been just overwhelmed with the success it's been it's been amazing every stop on tour readers have have loved it and they've asked for more and um, will I ever do more I'm not exactly sure but I certainly have learned to never say never hmm. and you know you didn't uh necessarily think you were going to be a writer from you know a very young age necessarily I, I think you'd gone to school for something else entirely um is this all a little bit surreal to be you know in the midst of this big tour to have this many books sort of under your belt already at this point and you know more in the works it is absolutely surreal you know i i don't it doesn't matter when you started writing or at what point you this became your goal. I don't think anybody ever actually thinks that they're going to get to go on a on an international book tour or, you know, spend their day hoping that they make it to Canada in time for their event and their interview with PW. It's just it's a little bit surreal that this is my life at all. And again, I'm just very, very fortunate to be writing in this age of, of young adult fiction when when authors are um, you know, we have a, a nice fan base out there and we have a, a great you know, book selling community and librarian community who are able to get to get our books in wonderful hands, and so I, I'm I'm just grateful every day. And uh, what about other books? Can you can you see yourself writing about girls who aren't good at say rappelling down the side of a building? <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. What will I, I, and I've gotten it a lot lately, you know, especially with Gallagher Girls coming to an end. Um, I do know that I will continue to write. That's, that's, an, that's a no-brainer right there. What exactly I'll write, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I do think that I will probably never write um, 
fantasy or paranormal. Not that I have anything against those genres. It's just that I think that there are other people who do that far better than I would do it. Um, I also don't think I could ever do anything that's a true contemporary book in the vein of a Sarah Zar or a Sarah Dessen. I, I just need, you know, I, I don't know that I'm talented enough to pull that off, frankly. So I need a little high octane and repelling to, to keep my characters going and moving forward. So I think I'll probably stick with the genre that I know, which is what I call unrealistic, realistic fiction. And so maybe I'm a genre of one, but that's okay. Um, it's probably what I'm going to be stuck with for the rest of my career. And I'm pretty happy with that. That's great. Well, uh, thank you again for uh, speaking with me in the middle of your book tour. And I hope uh, the rest of your travels go smoothly. Thank you so much, John. Once again, this is John Sellers at Publishers Weekly, and I've been speaking with Allie Carter, author of Perfect Scoundrels, which has just been published by Disney Hyperion Books. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. <laughs>